everybody, and thanks for listening to the Path 11 podcast. This is your host, April Hanna, and this show is our Q&A session of the Path Evolution screening that we had down at the Dome Healing Center in Fernandina Beach, Florida. Our Q&A happened on Friday, September 16th of 2016, and we were really lucky to have Paul Rademacher there to help us field some questions for the Q&A. It was an awesome group. Um, I don't know if anyone listening has ever been to the Dome Healing Center, but really a magnificent place of healing. They do a bunch of different things. They're always hosting events. They have massage therapy, cranial sacral therapy. Um, they also work a lot with um, the Monroe Institute and have hemisync music that they incorporate into their yoga classes and massage sessions. So if you're ever vacationing down in Fernandina Beach, I would highly recommend to head on down to the Dome Healing Center. Just really great, nice people. And uh, we also have another announcement. This is just for our podcast listeners, but wanted to let you guys know if any of you have an Amazon Prime membership, for a limited time, we are streaming the Path Evolution on Amazon Prime. So if you haven't seen it yet and you want to take advantage of your Amazon Prime subscription and go ahead and see the Path Evolution for free, then head on over to Amazon Prime, type in the Path Evolution, and you will see it there. But again, this is only for a limited time. So if you want to take advantage of it, head on over there. And I think that you guys are going to hear some new questions and new answers in this Q&A. There was some really just deep stuff discussed after the path screening that we had. And, you know, Paul also got a chance to talk a little bit about his views after he was interviewed and kind of talking about technology and how he feels like sometimes that could separate us. And then he kind of also had a really funny story to tell about how his son kind of said, yeah, but dad, you're from a different generation. So it's kind of neat to have interviewed people and get their opinion, you know, last year when we interviewed him in November of 2015 and then, you know, watching the movie and then seeing how things progress even in almost a year's time and how his opinion on that has also evolved is going to be a fun, um, answer to listen to that that Paul explained. So we do hope you enjoy the Q&A portions that we're providing you guys at our screening. And remember, we are going to be in Austin, Texas, October 18th on a Tuesday, and we have confirmed the place and the time for that. Now, the venue for our Austin screening is called Movie House and Eatery in Austin, Texas, and it only seats 57 people, so this is going to be a little bit more of a private event, but it's a 57-seat deluxe theater with super plush leather, full recliners, and trays for dining. So it's actually going to be dinner, drinks, and watching The Path Evolution. I think it's probably going to be the coolest place to show a film. And the people who are sponsoring this event and bringing us out to Austin, Texas is INAX, and that stands for Institute for Neuroscience and Consciousness Studies. And we'd like to give a big shout out to Bob Price. Now, we're thinking because it's such a small venue and it can only fit about 57 people that we're really going to open up ticket sales to their Austin, Texas meetup group. And that is the INAX Consciousness Connection event. So if you want to become a part of that group and if you want to be the first um, set of people to see the tickets released and have a chance to actually come on out to watch with us, then you might want to become a member on their meetup because the tickets will be sold there first. And then if we have any leftover, we are going to go ahead and make an Eventbrite ticket sales promotion. But I have a feeling this thing is going to sell out pretty quickly. They have over 500 members through the INAX meetup. Um, so I don't think we're going to have any problems there. But if you're not a member and you would like to purchase a ticket, then just sign up. It's really easy. You just create a profile and it doesn't cost anything. 
and you can be the first to know about when the tickets go on sale. And that event is going to go off at 7 o'clock p.m. Okay, without further ado, here is the Q&A from the Dome Healing Center screening of the Path Evolution in Fernandina Beach, Florida. We hope you enjoy. So you had a handful of folks in this particular movie. Which of them did you find spoke most to your soul? That's a question for everybody. Well, I'm not a mom, but I've heard moms say that have a lot of children, like you don't really have a favorite because they all mean something different. (laughs) Um, And I really think that everyone, for me personally in our film, spoke to me in a different way. Um, I think Tom Campbell kind of spoke to my mind and my analytical self, and there's something in his message for me that like makes my mind go and then I drop into my heart. I think, you know, William gets me really pumped up. <laughs> you know, he's so enthusiastic, and it's like after I hear him speaking, I'm like, yeah, okay, I want to, you know, go and try this. And, you know, Paul to me is all heart. Um, so, like, I could sit there and listen to him just tell stories over and over again. And Paul always just really brings me in here. Um, and then most of the women in the series, especially in the path. Afterlife, the first film, a lot of them were my personal teachers. I have a mental health practice, but I also do energy work and energy balancing. So those women were mentors of mine uh, that helped me along my path personally. So they all have a special place in my heart too. I have to agree with most of that because we, we pretty much pretty much on the same parallel with our thinking and everything. But doing this last film, the one that surprised me and I probably connected with the most with Skip in the epilogue of the film and the 2015 footage. Just the way he was able to condense the looking back at time and make it, you know, between with the telephone and the information age, the way he was able to break that down and the way he talked about how everybody um, with the texting and the, you know, all that connection, that uh, connectedness. That, that surprised me because he wasn't really, that first time in 2008, he wasn't as open as he was now. And he, he just brought this whole side of him out that w- was actually able to help put the end of the movie together. So that, that's what surprised me the most. But yeah, other than that, I have to probably agree with her. I'm not entirely sure how to ask this question, but how, how do you deal with the issue of evil? in the world and cruelty and sort of the really major flip side of heart. Mm-hmm. Is that directed toward me? I don't, I don't care who answers. <laughs> <laughs> you just want the answer. Okay. Simple enough. Easy. Easy. Um, all I can do is answer that from my perspective. And I think that anytime when you're looking at a transition, you're looking at a period of chaos. As the old forms begin to fall away and the new forms have yet to emerge, there's this period of great uncertainty for most people. And that uncertainty emerges as as a fear of the world and fear of others. And I think that the major transition that we're in right now, uh, beyond the heart that I talked about in the movie, 
is that I think that we are in a, this period where we're moving from this, in the Western civilization, we've cultivated this highly individual sense of self. I am me. I live in this flesh and bone body. And I am different from you. And I am different from the world. I am subject and everything else is object. So there's this, this division that, is, that has happened. And so as a result of that, the world is something that we try to keep at bay. It's something that haunts us in a way and, and that, we're, um, that has the potential to take away our well-being. And I think that the, that's sort of where we are right now in Western civilization. We've, we've brought that individual sense of self to, uh, to its height. And I think that's been necessary. But the next step is going to be uh, a place where we learn to moderate that in the sense that we have a different sense of being other than just locked in this physical body. And that different sense of being is something that will change our relationship with the world and change our relationship with other people. But right now we're in this, in this transitional phase where it's very chaotic and there's a great sense of uncertainty about that. And so I think a lot of what you talk about is being this sense of evil, this uh, carnage, if you will, I think comes from that, the fact that we're in that, we've been experimenting with this individual sense of self for a long time, and that's been filled with all kinds of chaos in and of itself. But as we learn to transition beyond that to uh, a way in which we can learn not just to be the individual sense of self, but also to be on the other end of a, of a continuum, that's gonna start to change over time. Does that make any sense? That's just my perspective. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Along those lines, could you say that the part of the evolution, and it's not so much of a upward evolving or a, uh, a one way of entropy, but maybe that when you leave one body, whether it's in the Western civilization, because a lot of us, I think, you know, we, we tend to look at things in our own environment, and that's Western civilization. Now, there are certainly references to other parts of the world, and that has to be part of this whole discussion. Mm -hmm. And I would even expand, expand that to perhaps animals. Mm -hmm. So part of the evolution is it that you are going backwards to experience things in evil by going to be in a body that is not, um, you know, experiencing the, the goodness of heart, as well as other parts of the world that don't have the, um, I guess, the same experiences that we do in Western civilization, as well as in, in animals? Is that part of the evolution? Oh, I think it all is. You know, I think in the movie that was made uh, very clear that the whole system is evolving. So it isn't just a matter of evolution of individual human beings, but the whole system is changing over time. And I think that I would certainly agree with you on that. Thank you. Um, this is more just a comment that I noticed something in the film and I, I wanted to comment on. Um, you and Skip Atwater probably talked to both sides of one coin, the technology mm -hmm. issue, whereas um, for you it was a separation from other people because you prefer to be heart to heart with them, mm -hmm. whereas he said this is, you know, a, a potentially a, a small step. 
Um, for someone who doesn't live on the heart-to-heart -heart level, <laughs> I've been thinking about this a while because I love my technology, but what I've noticed for myself is that it is training wheels. Um, I notice that I can find a lot of people who I either, number one, definitely don't agree with, and I need to learn how to deal with that immediately, or I need to balance my expression of disapproval so that I, I stop just reacting knee-jerk and learn to kind of take the next step. Or I can find people that I really, really need to talk to or be with. I look at Kickstarter like these great ideas, and all of a sudden, 20 people say, wow, what a great idea, and they go find some more people, and all of a sudden, it's an idea, and it's in the world. Or there's an elephant that needs to be saved, and all these people around the world save the elephant. Um, it's, a, it's a step, it's an opportunity for people who don't get that, I'll say, density of experience in their own situation to experience those things, to see what it could be like in their world. So be patient with us who are still in training wheels. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, it, it's, it's the great thing about when you get interviewed for something, there, there's always the opportunity to second guess everything you've ever said. You know? <laughs> And, uh, and I really agree with what Skip is saying on that point. And one of the things that, that helped me to change my thinking on that a little bit, because I was having this discussion with my son and, and kind of talking about that aspect from my point of view, but he, he said, but Dad, you gotta understand, this, this is a different generation. This generation is growing up with a, with a worldview that you didn't have when you were younger. And so, uh, there, there, there is with this generation a much more global sense that uh, that a lot of the division lines that we have taken for granted in my generation are beginning to melt away because of that. So, um, like everybody else, I have an opportunity to learn new things. Hi. Hi. Can you hear me? Yep. Okay. Um, that, this was wonderful, and I just want to thank you. Um, I am. Well, I, let me do it as a question first. I'm going to buy the, the tape of this. I have a small nonprofit, and we're teaching, guess what, consciousness mm. and the transformation of consciousness. I started with a group um, three years ago on St. Simon's Island, which is just an hour up from here. Very conservative place, and um, very hard for me to teach consciousness. Mm. And these very same principles that you're teaching here is so beautifully. And first question is, if I buy this in our groups, by buying it, does that give me license to use it with other people to raise their consciousness, giving the Monroe Institute, of course, all the credit? But I mean, is it something we'd have to profit share on, or, or do I need to talk to you separately? Yeah, we can talk. Okay, because this, yeah. okay, <laughs> this is gorgeous. And um, I find that, and then this is the question, I find that, um, there isn't as much openness as I would like to see in the world to these ideas. And um, I'm having, frankly, to have to get over my own fear about just speaking my truth, but doing it in the beautiful way that you guys have demonstrated here. And um, so what has your experience been like? I mean, if you're coming to places where, that are affiliated with Monroe Institute, then there's openness. I mean, look at the crowd here. But if you're just trying to do this in the world at large, I mean, it's been yeah. hard for me is what I'm, what I'm saying, it's been hard. Yeah, I know like with our own personal uh, 
community at, at home because we're from New York. I'm from Kingston. April's from Saratoga. And I know with Kingston, it's a very conservative town. And this does not go well there. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> we are right next to Woodstock, mm-hmm. which yes. is ver- a very liberal mm-hmm. little community. It does pretty well there, but yeah. It, um, we have screenings in New York that um, most of the people that show up are usually people that we know, um, family and friends, and it usually ends up just being for them. So we have to get out of New York and we come to places like here. Next month we'll be in Texas, in California. And they're like uh, Austin, Texas, for example, is very, very open to this. But yeah, we, we've, we've had some local struggles just in our area uh, um, at home. Saratoga is actually pretty open. Um, I don't know if you want to comment on it too. Yeah, I, I would agree with that, and that's why we like to come to warm and fuzzy places like this. <laughs> and uh, this was actually a great group uh, in a place that didn't know us uh, too well. It's interesting because, like, this group amongst when we were in Virginia at the Monroe Institute, you guys laughed at, like, the right parts, you know? It's like you got the inside jokes, and, you know, it was great, and we found those funny, too. So to, like, hear an audience laugh back was, was wonderful. Okay, we had one question here, one over here, and then one in the back. Um, this will be a bit complex, and the question will come at the end. In one of the experiences that you shared in the movie, you mentioned that you had that intuition that you should focus on the heart. And um, that immediately made me think of something. One of the greatest spiritual masters that ever lived on this planet, Ramana Maharshi, who taught the meditation of the heart and that path of returning to the spiritual heart, or the path of returning home, of coming back home. Um, he was asked by a disciple once, just a simple question, which, which way should I go? And he answered, go back the way you came. So that was the answer, just go back home, go back. And that makes me think also the beginning of the movie when one of the um, speakers on the recordings mentioned that we live now in this state of individuality because we have forgotten about the self, that we're actually self and we're all one part of the self. So. Um, at some point, initially, we knew where we were, but on the past, is all the house of the world, we just forgot about it, and now we live in this state of individuality. So what we have to do is to remember that we are self and go back the way we came. So now I'm putting the two and two together, the path of Ramana Maharshi, and also intuitively what you mentioned, and intuitively many of us discovered is that going back home, going back to the source, going back the way we came, is actually to go back in the heart. You also mentioned that in the moment when you actually focused on the heart, something happened. The first thing that happened was that your mind became still. So this is something that in the teaching of Ramana Maharshi and others, most of the people who taught the path of the heart, they said the same thing. We go back in the heart coming from the mind. So we stop being stuck in the mind and we go back in the heart. So that's when the mind becomes still, when we leave the mind and we go back in the heart. So my question now is your opinion about this. So the theory in this, if you look in all traditions on this planet where the masters focused on this path of the heart, they all tell the same thing. 
when we live the heart, when we live in the heart, we feel the connection, so we feel we are all self. When we occasionally, at least occasionally, leave the heart and we go in the mind, that's when we identify ourselves with this individual self and that's the ego and that's when we struggle our our thoughts we get in conflict with the others because we forget that we are one we forget the unity so we live in that state of individuality when we remember ourselves and we go back in the heart the mind becomes still and then we feel again connected and we feel the expansion when we experience true love that's when we feel the expansion so what is your opinion on this duality between being in the heart being in the mind that's a wonderful question i think that that really that gets right to the heart of it <laughs> in so many ways um, in western civilization we have been learned we have been taught to live in the brain essentially you know and and so we are deeply connected with our thoughts and so if you're paying attention as you go through the day you'll probably notice that there's this running commentary on everything that's happening, right? And so, what you, you're not we're not necessarily experiencing the world. What we are experiencing is our thoughts about the world, this running con commentary. And it's not a disembodied thing. It's how am I doing in this world? This running commentary is continually telling us, oh, I'm doing pretty well. Oh, I really screwed up there. You know, I could have done better with that. And so, there's a lot of judging that goes along with that too. And what I have f discovered, and this is not just my discovery by any means, and I, wanna, I, I do want to tell you about um, somebody who I think is doing some incredible work in this area. His name is Dr. Jeffrey Martin, and he has developed something that he calls the Finder's Course, not the Seeker's Course, not a course for seekers, it's for a course for people who actually want to find what they're seeking for, right? And it's, it's pretty intensive, and I, and I went through it, and I discovered that what he's onto is critically important as we're talking about this whole next step in human evolution. And it has to do, he doesn't really focus on the heart so much, but, he, but through the exercises that he promotes, you do enter into this state where you no longer have thoughts. You know, so much of New Age is always about controlling your thoughts and, and law of attraction and all that. But what he's talking about is moving into the silence up here, which then begins to expand the heart, too, at the same time. So um, what happens is, because of this narrative that continually goes on, that reinforces our individual sense of self. How am I doing in this world that can, is out to do me in? But when that drops away, then we are no longer locked into this individuality. And there's an expansion that starts to happen. And in that expansion, then we develop a, an entirely different sense of being, a different sense of self. So I think you are exactly right. There is, for me, it was a discovery of moving into this heart, which then led me to the finder's course, which helped me to understand this this uh, not just inner silence, but what I would call undif undifferentiated silence, which is sort of the ground of all being. And when that happens, then it's a very, very different world at that point. So thank you for that. Beautifully said. Um, in my experiences with learning of um, near-death experiences, mm -hmm. past life regression, channeling, mediumship, um, and even Course in Miracles, I 
I feel like the biggest common theme is this love fear concept. And I definitely saw that a ton in your documentary there. And so I'm still stuck on the evil concept. And so I want to throw this, you know, to you guys. Um, for me, if it's all about moving back to oneness and love, rather than separation and fear. To me, um, judging something as evil feels like separation. It feels like fear. It feels like judgment. And um, rather than maybe seeing the light in that person or the, maybe the good intention in that person or the person may actually believe that they are doing right and may only be in wrong-mindedness and not even realize it or or in fear themselves and reacting to that because they believe for themselves that they're right even though they're in fear. So what are your thoughts on that? Do you believe in good and evil, heaven and hell, right and wrong, or are we really all one equal lights of the same God of which we have to learn to accept equality in all of us? Um, Well, I guess, you know, my thoughts on it when I try to apply Tom Campbell's theory to it and you know this whole love fear thing and accepting people without judgment I mean I think the world would be a little bit of a boring place if we didn't have that duality and so I would agree like I for me personally and where I'm at and still learning this and trying to teach myself and I like the works of the Course in Miracles and Marianne Williamson what I feel I have been able to do personally is to stand almost in that place of non-judgment and more compassion and if we want to term it evil it's kind of looking at it as well thank you for being our teacher you know like how do we know love if we don't know fear how do we know love if we don't know that evil so when I think of Tom and he says, well, people come in at different levels of evolution. So the whole point is to evolve, but I think it's kind of cool that we don't all come in at that same level. Otherwise, how would we be able to learn? So I also think that maybe in the way that we're, the key is how you're perceiving evil and how it's happening. And is it really a bad thing? Or can you perceive it as something that's actually helping us grow? And if we didn't have that, like William Buhlman talks about wars, you know, wars have been vital to help us learn and maybe try to move towards more states of peace. So that's just kind of my formulation lately in the world, but I don't consider myself to be an expert <laughs> in any of that because I'm still, I'm still trying to figure out the answer to that. But I feel like that, for me personally, there's more compassion and I don't get so rattled about, about the evilness because I, I don't know. It's like, I think it's part of it. For me, there's another aspect to that, too, which gets back to this, who are we? You know, what are the limits of my being? Am I just this body, or am I more than this body? Um, You know, Alexander Solzhenitsyn had this wonderful quote, I think it was from him anyway, where he says, the dividing line between good and evil cuts through every human heart, and who would cut away a piece of their own heart? So... You know, when we, when we, always when we get into this discussion of good and evil, you know, we always kind of have this tendency to place ourselves on the side of good, right? <laughs> We're the good guys, and somebody else is not the good guy. But when we get beyond this individual sense of self that I, I, I end at my skin, then we begin to see that 
in this other person that I want to call evil, you know, there's a part of that in me too. And even though I may not express it openly, it still lives in me. And somehow I've got, to, I've got to deal with that and I've got to heal this connection between that other person and myself so that I'm not projecting onto somebody else the stuff that's in me. Exactly, 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 right. So, so that's where we've got a lot of growing to, go, to do as a species, I think. And I think, you know, painfully, slowly, we're getting there. Can you hear me okay? Uh, I teach Asian humanities at college here. And uh, I was quite amused with the uh, telephone, the dial phone. <laughs> because uh, there's been a real push in this area for uh, uh, students to be dual enrolled. So I have classes that are about half high school students as well as high school graduates and a few mature students but um, I was talking to this one guy and I was trying to explain to them that I was about f more than 50 years older than he was so my ideas you know and he was really working trying to get that number 50 in his head <laughs> <laughs> and bless his heart he couldn't do it you know he was, he was just one of those mysteries that he'll have to deal later but I was showing some of my work. I'm a cultural anthropologist uh, working north of Hanoi, of Temple. And I have the pictures blown up like three by four feet, the real big ones. And somehow I left one of them at home that I wanted. So I went to Facebook and I got my page up and shows my picture at the temple. And this young lady starts laughing. She says, that really is you. <laughs> And I, it irritated with me the same proportions that amused me because now I was real because I was on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> Before I wasn't real. So. Fascinating. And so it, it, the moment really caught me real quick and it just tickled me to no end, you know, because, uh, very, because they're young and naive, they're spontaneous, mm. you know. And they're dealing with material they've never seen before. In fact, it's been suppressed to, to learn about these areas. Right. So uh, it, it's very instructive for me on, on the back end because I can use, uh, I have a smart classroom so I can go to the National Palace Museum and, and, and see the Emperor's Collection, show jades in the classroom or DVDs or whatever. And so uh, the technology edge is kind of interesting because they have not been in a world that it doesn't exist. Right. Now most of, the, most of the time, at least the guys rather look at Kim Kardashian's butt than what I've got going on. So I have to threaten them, you know, don't be downloading and texting and you know, that sort of thing. But uh, it's, uh, the students today are, are in some ways much more demanding than we were because we were pretty passive and they have a lot more distractions Mm. instantly available you know mm -hmm. that's all Thank you. I just wanted to say uh, recently moving from California I just I, I'm so happy that you brought this presentation and she mentioned in class and then I went on your Facebook page and thank you it was wonderful to have the film and then have this Q&A thank you did you go on my Facebook page or on theirs because I'm not even sure if I have one so <laughs> I uh, could see that some of this was filmed, some of this uh, film was shot on this island, and I'm wondering what your connection is to the island. I live here. Yeah. 
Yeah. And they came down and interviewed me here, and they wanted to get some B-roll, and so they, I said, well, we can walk on the beach. So, <laughs> so we did. Finders course, yes. Dr. Jeffrey Martin, he is out in um, Palo Alto, California now. He's working with the Sophia University. Um, but he's, uh, I, I actually met him when I was at the Monroe Institute. Uh, he, every once in a while, would come by and he would up, update me on what he was doing, you know, because he was in, working in consciousness. And what he did was he, he went all over the world and interviewed people who were in various stages of enlightenment. And uh, he did this all on his own dime, you know, he, and he, when he would interview somebody, he would sit down and talk with them 10, 12 hours and, until they would kick him out. <laughs> and he came away with this enormous data set about this whole question of what, uh, he calls it um, persistent, non-symbolic experience, PNSE. Um, other people might call it enlightenment or, or nirvana or whatever. But he, he took this enormous data state, state and he began to recognize that there was a continuum within that. As people would flip over into these, all, these uh, higher states of awareness, that they would fall on this continuum that he had four locations, locations one through four, each of them having different, different qualities. Um, he's the first person that I've seen uh, do extraordinary research in this, in this area, which is a very, very difficult thing to research, uh, to find some kind of even methodology where you can approach this. He, found, he, discovered a, he developed his own methodology, he developed this data set, and he's the first person who I've seen who has talked about a continuum so that you can look at, at uh, different traditions and see where they emphasize different places on this continuum. And he's also the first person I've seen who has developed a course where ordinary people can begin to move into these, uh, these stages of awareness that we've traditionally thought of as being very almost unreachable by ordinary people. And he's having tremendous success doing it. So I can't, I just can't say enough good things about the work that he's doing. I thought you said that he was in this area. No, I'm in this area. <laughs> I know, it's a disappointment. The other really cool thing before we went down to the beach to get some of that B-roll, we were having such a conversation with Paul about the heart. And if any of you have been down there, I don't know if you noticed, but that shot that we took of that bench and that quote that was there, like, I carry your heart, I carry your heart in my heart. You know, and I was like, you know, just interesting that somebody had passed away. It looked like it was in memorial of, of someone. And I tried to research and find out who that person was. And I found a small article. But it was just kind of one of those neat synchronistic events, too, you know, that happened here, um, which was nice. And, and also, if, you know, we are going to put this up on our podcast page, which is the Path 11 podcast. So anything that we talked about, if you don't remember Jeffrey Martin's name and you want to re-listen to this, you know, we'll have it available. And you can find us through path11productions.com, thepathseries.com, or path11podcast.com. So, and I think we might begin to wrap up unless there is one more burning question. So around the question of evil, and then Dawn went into um, what she had to say, something that I've been 
experiencing lately, I, I got an email today and it talked about something that keeps coming across of, uh, as we start to explore the fact that we're creators, co-creators, whatever you wanna call it, um, that we create dis-ease. And so we are the creators, and, and he, there was a gentleman who spoke about the, the throat cancer that he had. And I was really pleased with him looking backwards and saying it was, can it remember his words, but it was my path for learning or experiencing. And so today when I got this email, and it said, and, and it, it was meant much like the new age stuff, bringing forth that we create, but it also is like I, we're tripping over this judgment. We just keep tripping over judging ourselves and, and beating ourselves up over these things. And what I'm watching and learning is to not, to be as grateful for that creation as anything else is you know the the evil in others is is a communal thing that we you know we create the existence of a hitler for this is my my philosophy <laughs> is that then it becomes not a evil bad thing and and truly this is a journey that is beyond powerful for me because if i could say i grew up two words, it would be right and wrong. That was who I was as a kid. So to be able to say, to, to, to have kind of almost eased into not even judging my rightness or my wrongness, that it, in being grateful, because God doesn't look at it as right and wrong, I don't think. It, it just is calling us, you know, Course in Miracles talks about he doesn't even see it as right and wrong. This is just, he's just there. He's like, come on over. <laughs> so, I don't know. I, but on the other hand, I'm not sure that we have to like. Like, I have a daughter who is struggling with a lot of dis-ease. And, you know, and, and I guess that's where that my, why that's so big for me right now is like why why is she in so much pain and has been since the moment she was born did I do something wrong do you know so I've had to kind of be gentle with myself and try and love myself and say it's not something we I she created but to be grateful for the journey and not have to know the reason at this moment I guess and any other enlightenment around that I would be absolutely happy <laughs> to receive that because it is it is something that I I'm trying to work through it's it's hard to watch a kid in pain yeah yeah it's, it's I think it's the toughest thing there is you know uh, and it, but also to remember that that pain doesn't necessarily last forever it's where you are right now it's where she is right now and, you know, I think the best that any of us can do is, is just to love each other through that pain. You know, I, um, I had a situation with my son where um, we, there was something wrong with him and, and I just couldn't 
figure out what it was, and we were watching him waste away. Uh, he was a grown man, and, and he got down to about 120 pounds, and you know, it was one of those situations where I would have done anything to take his place, anything. And there was just, but I couldn't. And, um, and all you can do is hang on sometimes and just love as much as you can through that, even though you can't see where it's going to head. And in that situation, he almost miraculously recovered from it. And uh, in a way, that was, that was something I didn't talk about in the movie, but that was part of the journey of the heart for me, too, was that uh, to walk with him through that time when I didn't know if he was going to survive. And then to come out on the other end of it, and uh, three years later, I was doing his, I, w I used to be a, a Presbyterian pastor, and so I was doing his wedding, and here he was, now 180 pounds. And um, my heart was almost broke wide open because, you know, it felt like this was a resurrection. So all of which is to say is that you never know. You never know when that resurrection is going to happen one way or another. But the thing you can do is just continue to love, care, support, and that that just is mountains. Mountains. It's hard as a parent to not drop into fix it mode too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is that is the tough part. But if you can if you can avoid that, and just sort of walk where your daughter is walking with her, then oddly enough, that can provide a way out. Join, go where she is, instead of asking her to come out, see what happens. Well, thank you all so much. Great group, great Q&A. Thank you. Thank you, Paul, so much. Thank you, Don, for having us here and inviting us to the Dome Healing Center. It's been wonderful, and we really appreciate you hosting us in your beautiful space. If you'd like more information about our films or to purchase our DVDs, you can head on over to our website at thepastseries.com. They're also available to purchase on amazon.com. Our films are also streaming online at vimeo.com, guyamtv.com, and iTunes. If you have a show suggestion or would like us to interview someone specifically, please feel free to shoot us an email at info at thepastseries.com or send us a tweet at thepastseries. Please rate and review us in iTunes and subscribe. We hope you enjoyed the show.